Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. All right, everyone. Hey, welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm your host, Heather Hartman, editor of Box Pro Magazine, and I'm here today with one of my special guests. Um, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, I am PJ Mina, and I'm coming out of Taggart, Oregon. And we own uh, CrossFit Tigered. And you actually might not know this yet, but we just picked up a second gym, uh, CrossFit Happy Valley, about six months ago. Um, yeah, so Oregon. I did not actually know that. And is it actually in a valley that is very happy? Uh, people are pretty happy out there. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we will definitely be talking about that. That is something to talk about. Um, but PJ, I always love to start out with the story, the story about who you are, uh, how you came into this crazy industry and how you came to be an affiliate owner. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my first, one of my first jobs was at a gym. And when I, uh, I was in high school, um, like sophomore year in high school and I had my interview and I told him, Hey, someday I want to own a gym. So about the age of like 15, 16. Um, but then in college, I worked at a gym there too. And I started, um, school in like the medical industry. I was doing exercise science, uh, nutrition, looking at pre-med. And then, um, and then I just often went to, uh, to Marine boot camp um, to, be, to be an officer. I had a, a spot to be an aviator, a pilot. And so I was going down that, that program and uh, just kind of did some soul searching and realized, hey, I really want to be on the medical. I want to be a healer. And so ended up going Air Force as a dietitian. So I was really kind of all over the place. Um, Whoa. That was so a change. As a, as a, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up switching, switching, uh, switching branches, going back to medical. You can't be a medic as a Marine. You can be a you know Navy corpsman. But um, then I got kind of maybe just a little bit bored as a dietitian. I kind of missed the, the rolling in the mud type of thing. So I found out about a career field called pararescue, um, which actually I referred to as PJs too, which is weird. But um, <laughs> And pararescue are basically paramedics that uh, their their core role in earlier years was to you know dive out of helicopters and planes and go you know rescue downed pilots and bring them to safety. These are the guys who might provide like medical aid to people in combat zones um, or you know like militarized uh, areas. Um, they they carry rifles and they're they're combatants. They're special forces, just like you know seals or recon or anything. Um, but their, their core role is as healers. So they're not going to engage unless they have to, to help somebody, which just a lot of that spoke to me. And, uh, anyway, so I started doing a lot of, you know, harder core training to prep for that. They've got a very high dropout rate, started doing the, you know, stuff where you tie your hands behind your back in a pool and, you know, dolphin kick across it and go to the bottom and just all these weird things. And I met a guy who was like, oh, you're doing this too. Like we both had our high, you know, hands tied behind our back in the pool at the, the Air Force gym and uh, Air Force pool in Germany. And so he told me about CrossFit. And we would meet every morning at like 5 a.m. and do a, like a running or a swimming interval workout. And we'd meet in the afternoon after work and go do a CrossFit workout. Um, there's this program called SOPWAD, which is Special Operations Preparation Workout of the Day. I think they're still out there. They got an Instagram, and they're just really hard workouts. Like, like one was you do 800 meter run, do Fran in entirety, do 800 meter run, do Fran again, oh. and then do another 800 meter run, and that was just like a, a regular workout, not like oh a workout, you know. And we complained doing Fran once. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, uh, I got involved with the, uh, there's a nonprofit affiliate on Rammstein Air Base. And I started uh, training with them, started volunteering as a coach because all the coaches are volunteers. Um, did some of the programming here and there. And after a while, I realized, hey, I'm, I'm volunteering so much of my time because I love this so much. And if you're willing to do something for free, maybe this would be a good career field. And so that was, I think, 2010. And I decided I want to open a CrossFit gym. Wow. Dang, what a winding path you took. Yeah. <laughs> you came through a lot of different decisions. Yeah. So, but yeah. I feel like so, each one led to the next, though, which is kind of cool. Yes. Well, pivot. it was kind of neat because you're like, you tried this thing. And then because of that thing, you discovered something else that you went to. And then in that, you found something else. So it was very like, ah, like a little winding path, like all kind of yeah. connected. No, mm -hmm. no regrets. Yeah, so, <laughs> no regrets. I love it. Um, so PJ, what? So kind of talk us through like opening the affiliate. Maybe some of the lessons you learned in that initial initial phase, like owning a business, running a business. Some of the things that you know, big takeaways that you're like, you know, this is what I had to learn in the first couple of years of this thing. Um, that you know has really helped you kind of succeed today. Yeah, I think I think for me the most valuable thing was is I was trapped to an extent. So, and what I mean by that is I decided, you know, 2009, 2010, I wanted to open a gym. I owed the Air Force two more years of time. So I had two years to prepare and save money and learn. So for that two years, I went to as many um, certifications and, you know, CrossFit football, CrossFit gymnastics, Olympic weightlifting, all, you know, as many things as I could. And I worked as a coach for a couple years to get experience. And um, I learned the nonprofit side, how we did things. And then my next base was in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And I had the opportunity to work for uh, CrossFit Fort Walton Beach, which is now Militia Fitness, and learned their systems as well. And uh, Jordan and Jess, the owners, they gave me a lot of mentorship. And you know, I, I let them know, hey, I want to open a gym you know, back home in Oregon. And they gave me a lot of advice and showed me some of the inner workings of the business. And they they run a really good, if, if you have ever met them, I'd, I'd encourage you to get them on this call too. They own uh, three gyms in the Fort Walton Beach area. They have, I don't know what you'd call it, a, an affiliate or a franchise up in uh, North Carolina. And then they're opening another one in Pensacola. So it's a, it's a couple that essentially is, you know, overseeing five gyms and they're, they're doing, they're, they're crushing it. They're great. Um, so they've given me a lot of, um, advice and I don't do everything the same way they do, but, uh, especially my first year having Jordan to be able to call and just be like, Hey, like, what should I do for this? Or here's this idea I have. And he'd be like, you're an idiot. Or he'd be like, yeah, that's cool. Or, um, maybe consider this instead. And it was really helpful to have some of that mentorship. And so that's yeah. one thing I do strongly encourage everybody now is, um, actually do some business coaching for uh, a company, but is to, to seek out mentors, seek out uh, peers, not just bitching on the uh, uh, affiliate owners group. Sorry, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this. That's okay. Cool. cool. It's Fox, uh, you can... bro. You can say whatever you want. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And that's, yeah, so that, that that's neat. That's interesting. Um, and it was kind of cool because I think, like you said, you were forced into two years of planning and preparation. So then the question is, did you actually feel like you were 
prepared when the time finally came. Yeah, I mean, more prepared than I would have been had I not had two years, certainly. It's still terrifying. It's still terrifying to sign a lease. Uh, for, for me, was really hard is I moved home, and my first day back home in Oregon was uh, Christmas Eve. I met home with my family for dinner, and then the day after Christmas, I was on the road trying to find a location, and I secured a lease and was training a client by like February 1st. So I only had a couple months in Oregon before I opened, so I started with zero clients. And so I feel like a lot of owners will maybe build a clientele a little bit ahead of time. Um, I literally just found a location and signed a lease for, you know, a few thousand a month with zero income, knowing, hey, you know, based on the, the budget I have, I can last this long mm. um, and just hoping it would go go well. And yeah. so that was terrifying. Yeah. But we we're, were fortunate enough that we we grew pretty quickly and we were, you know, at least in the black by about the six month point and wow. was paying employees by the 12 month point and paying myself you know, after about a year, which sucks to go a year without pay, but. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, it's better than, it's better than some. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. what do you think helped lead to success in those first six months and, and bring you into the black? Yeah. I mean, I have to say that. So I think our long-term gym owners on this call can appreciate that 2012 and 2019 are very different animals. So in 2012, uh, CrossFit was relatively new to the mainstream and not everybody was doing it. Not everybody had heard of it. There wasn't as many gyms. There wasn't as much saturation. So I feel like in 2012, simply having a website that said CrossFit on it and my, my gym was right across the street from the post office in the, the city. So I had a lot of uh, drive-by traffic. You know, I didn't know anything about marketing. And we just would get, you know, 10, 15 members a month just coming in. Uh, we, we had good systems. So learning from Jordan, I also, I, I paid for some business coaching from, a, from another company as well, just to get some, hey, how do I do a sales consult and that sort of stuff. So I, I built some of those systems pretty early on, had a good pricing structure early on. So we would, you know, maximize those leads, but we'd get 20 emails a month, just organically people looking for us. And I feel like fast forward to 2019, if, if you're opening a gym now, unless you're in like a new town that there's no gym, the, the chances are that everybody who would see somebody flipping a tire and be like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to do that has probably already tried it somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like the, the early adopters are already doing it or already did it and moved on to something else. And now what we have to market to is the the family members of those the the uncle the aunt the the daughter the girl whose cousin you know lost 50 pounds doing crossfit and she's in a different state but she said hey you should try this and so she's just kind of walking in on that on that referral yeah. um and so you got you got to change your marketing a little bit now but hmm. sorry to digress but anyway so early early growth early growth i really feel like was just being in at a good time i was the the, the CrossFit gym in the city had the city name in my name. Um, a lot of people were looking for CrossFit and we didn't suck. <laughs> That's good. It was yeah. a good seller right there. We're, we're a lot better now, but back then we were pretty good. But, um, you know, we, we started classes on time. We were pretty professional from there, but 
you know, our, our bathrooms weren't that clean and mm. um, didn't have as much equipment as we do now. It wasn't as pretty of a space, didn't have, you know, Wattify or any of that cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, we were generally nice and yeah. we're in at a good time. I think that was probably a lot of my early success. Yeah. Do you think now in here in 2019 that that, you know, pretty space and equipment and I don't know, kind of that professionalism, do you think that matters more than it did? And do you think that a garage gym and rundown gym could still succeed in the market as it is today? Absolutely. Um, Well, I think that if you are going to be a garage gym and you try to open up in a town that there is a professional gym, you got to think about how you're going to get clients. And if you are able to recruit your friends and family and coworkers and, you know, build a population there, uh, you, you might do well. Um, but if you're going to, you know, try to establish a web presence and somebody who is new and they're looking for a gym, they look at your website, another website. I mean, they're going to see pictures of a clean facility versus, you know, a potential rundown facility or your garage they're going to see a robust class schedule of, you know, we have like 70 classes a month. Um, if you're running it out of a garage as like a hobby and you have a full-time job and you can only offer two classes a day, you know, people are going to compare those class schedules and they're going to have a harder time fitting, fitting that time into them. Um, so a lot of those things. And just to kind of put case in point is, so we're established, we're in Tigard, Oregon. Um, We've been here for eight years. About a year ago, uh, a gym opened up in the exact same spot that I first opened in. So I, I moved. Oh, that's five crazy. Years ago. Yeah, I moved five years ago, about a half mile from my original location. That original location was closed, and a gym opened up in that spot. And um, I know the owner, he's a great guy, super nice. He, uh, he even sought out um, coaching from, he was a two brain business client, um, oh. was doing a lot of things right. Like he had a good Instagram. Um, really nice guy. Uh, but you know, after about a year, he just wasn't quite growing quite as well. Um, and so he, we met, he actually ended up sending, uh, some of his clients my way and his, his wife works out at our happy Valley gym. Super nice guy. Love the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just an opportune time. He came in, uh, that, that location is a little bit smaller. Um, next to a tobacco shop um he actually made this space look a lot nicer than it did when i was in it but it's not a quite ideal like they you know repainted they they did yeah. a good job um, yeah. but just not as a location and then he's also coming into whereas when i started it was a it was a, a seller friendly market you know there's mm-hmm. lots of people looking mm-hmm. not a lot of gym um mm-hmm. and i was really the, the one gym in tiger uh, now there's about five or six and we're not that big of a city yeah. So there's there's a lot of CrossFit gyms here, a lot of ones established, and a lot of you know gyms that are nicer and you know have nice paint on the walls and maybe showers yeah. and different things. So yeah, uh, it's good. It's going to be hard. So I, I I looked at that and I it's going to be hard for a, a new gym to compete with a professionally run established gym unless they're yeah. doing a lot of things right, make it really nice, make it special, and really work those you know referrals and. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, uh, a follow-up question to that is, so, you know, you brought up a good point about how there used to be, you know, a lot of people just looking for a gym. I know there's a lot of gyms and people like don't have to, I mean, I think about my office surrounded by the amount of 
boutiques and CrossFit gyms and uh, big box gyms, and it is insane. So what then, and you had mentioned this before, what does that marketing then look like now? And how how are you all competing even with all of that noise? There's a lot of noise right now in the fitness industry. There's so much. So how how are you handling that? Yeah, I mean, there's a few different ways we look at it. And you got to look at your different avatars. So, you know, you've got one avatar would be an experienced CrossFitter who moved to the area. We get quite a few of those. And we, we hope that if somebody's moving here from um, Arkansas and they are looking for a gym in the area, that they, they choose us. Uh, we have the, the friends of friends. We have um, people just looking for a gym. And I think a big one is going to be people who maybe are a member of that big box gym and they're not going. Because the reality is, is it's really hard to stick to a fitness program on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, and then I think from the from the community standpoint, is you know just like the core of CrossFit has shifted from you know games model very competitive to more hey here's your your mother picking up gallons of water by her plaid couch, you know those videos, mm-hmm. uh, sweet sweet settings in those videos by the way, but. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at more of a lifestyle, looking at a more community, I, I really feel like the majority of our clients aren't aren't here because they need to work out harder than they were. They're here because they need to work out, period. And they're probably not doing a whole bunch on their own. I mean, we certainly have some younger competitors and, you know, college athletes and things who, you know, we're working out hard and want to do some extra stuff. But, you know, the majority of the people who come through our doors are people who tried it on their own, couldn't stay motivated, and they're looking for something that'll keep them motivated, mm-hmm. something that they'll actually go to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a trend I've been seeing too, is like, it's, it, and I mean, we've seen that with, like you said, with CrossFit and the videos that they put out with that wonderful plaid couch yeah. <laughs> and, um, and all of that. So, yeah, so that makes sense. So I'm, so I am kind of curious too, um, just shifting gears a little bit. Um, I know you've mentioned Happy Valley a couple times. Can you kind of talk on um, acquiring that gym? You said six months ago, I believe, um, kind of what what that looked like, why that happens, and how that's even been managing that as well. Yeah, I had looked at potentially opening a second gym back in 2014. You know, I was a year or two into business and was like, we're growing so fast. Let's just do another one. And, and one of my one of my coaches ended up taking a full-time job in insurance and I didn't have like a staff member to really oversee that gym. So we, we didn't do it. I'm glad because I wasn't ready back then. The more I think about it, that would have been a bad decision, but you (laughs) You are not the only one that has told me (laughs) that they do not regret. (laughs) They're like, I don't regret not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even back then I was still coaching like 20 hours a week and all these different things. Uh, but fast forward, you know, we're eight out, we're eight years in, um, Jim's making good money. Uh, we've got a robust class, uh, sorry, staff. In in general, I'm only coaching, you know, one to three hours per week, and I, I don't need to. Those are just I like to be part of the community sometimes, and you know, keep my skills sharp. So I'm essentially the, the first business I could take myself out of it, and it would do pretty well. I think me being here enhances it, makes it better. I, I hope, but. I don't need to be here every day. And I, I needed to be in a position to where, hey, the first gym could sustain itself. 
before I could consider doing anything with the second one because I have to be over there a lot. And any hour I'm there is an hour I'm not here. Um, I've got a good administrative um, staff. My, my brother actually, he does all of our answers to emails, phone calls. If a member wants to add a membership, go on hold, cancel, he deals with all that stuff. It does a much better job of it than I would have. So that saves me a lot of time. And yeah, just by, by being in a position to where we've got a full coaching staff, I don't need to be here all the time. I only coach one hour a week at Tigard right now, sometimes an extra one on Saturday. That allows me to be over at Happy Valley to, to give them attention. So um, I felt I was in a good time. And I, I go back with the owner a few years. We've, I've dropped in at his gym a couple times while coming back from camping trips and things. And uh, he, he was a nice guy. I ran into him at a competition and asked how his gym was going. And he said, actually, I'm looking to sell it. And that's where that conversation started. Mm. And I think that was uh, January or February. And I purchased it March 1st, I believe. So it was pretty quick. We, we sat down, we talked. Um, it was actually super cool. And if, if anybody looking to buy a gym has the opportunity to do this, he uh, let go of one of his coaches and he asked me if I wanted to work for him as a coach to fill in because he knew I was looking at buying it. He's like, hey, do you want to coach some classes over here? So I actually went over there as an employee and coached an evening a week for like three weeks and didn't oh, tell people cool. yeah super cool didn't tell people i was looking at buying the gym i didn't even tell people i owned a gym i was just like hey pj i'm, I'm pj i coach in tiger sometimes and i got to just meet the community as as the community and see how they interact uh, meet the coaches i don't think the coaches knew i was looking at buying it yet either and just really evaluate is this a team wow. that i want to take on and is this a community that i want to take on and the community yeah, itself, it is like you're buying a whole community. You're not just buying oh, yeah. a business. You're buying oh, yeah. all these people that come with it. Oh yeah. And if, if you don't mesh well with them when you buy it, I mean, they could all move on. Right. Um, and I was fortunate that the community reminded me a lot of my Taggart community. Um, just a very more kind of family-based gym, working professionals, people with, you know, kids, people that were really nice, most important. Um, my, my number one core value for both gyms is just inclusiveness or inclusion. That's one everybody feel welcome. Mm. But uh, they're really nice. They, they uh, fit really well with the values of our gym. The community just seemed like a lot of parallels. And they were very receptive to my coaching style. And mm. I felt like, hey, if I take over as the owner, they'll, they'll like me. And that's important, right? You don't, you don't want people to, if you've got this, this, this thing that's like this bad seed, um, you know, so anyway, I thought we'd mesh well, and it ended up being a really good fit. So hmm. uh, after trying that for a few weeks, Keith and I uh, sat down and we talked uh, valuation. I worked with, um, actually, I worked with Clayton at Rig Equipment Finance on a valuation model. Oh, okay. He helped, me, he helped me look at the books, look at the equipment, and come up with a hmm. model through which we could, you know, have a valuation. And I presented that to the, the former owner. And he's like, that makes sense. We shook hands and it was a really quick negotiation because it's just on paper, here's the value. Um, you know, do you agree? Do you have questions? Um, it, was, it was pretty, it was probably as easy as an acquisition could be, I think. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. And I, I just, I think it's incredible that you were thinking about doing this, you know, what, five years ago 
didn't for, and sure now it's be a good decision and now here it is and it just it just kind of happened and it's already been established and yeah so um has there been a lot of transition with that um have you noticed any sort of i don't like to use the term fallout i don't know of a better term for that like has there been any hardship or struggles with that transition over of ownership or was he mostly kind of out of the picture and hands off or what did that look like yeah he was pretty hands-off at that point uh he had been looking to sell the gym for at, at least six months i believe and his members were aware of it so a lot of his members were like hey we're just we know a new owner's coming in we just hope they're going to be cool um unfortunately I think maybe some of that fall off might have happened before I got there. So when yeah. I when I took on the gym, it was down to about 85 members. Okay. Um, the owner was working in real estate. I think he just realized, hey, he he does better in real estate and wanted to to move on from owning a gym. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, he he'll, he said himself is he he wanted to find an owner who actually ran the gym as a business instead of a, a hobby. There's a lot of people that were working out for free and different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I took over. Um, of course, there are some people who had concerns. They wanted to meet me, wanted to know what class schedule would be like, different things. Um, I met with the coaches and a couple of the kind of key community leaders, you might say, and mm -hmm. just talked about our philosophy and, and what we'd be implementing. And uh, yeah, we really didn't lose many members of that transition. Good, maybe, good. Maybe two or three, maybe two or three only. Yeah. Uh, there was a handful of people that were were working out for free who were you know buddies of Keith or whatever and uh, a couple of them didn't stick around when they came to face to you know hey you got to start actually paying to be here yeah. um, but a lot of them did switch over and they they understood mm -hmm. oh good that's yeah. good i mean if you want to do crossfit it's like well, you're not going to find it free somewhere else so the question is do you want to do you want to start paying but stay part of your community that you enjoy or you know yeah. go pay the same amount to the guy across the street with strangers um mm. it's, it sucks to lose a good deal but um you know the, the the fact that so many people will there's probably about 10 people who were getting like buddy deals and things mm. i mean that's part of the reason why the, the business wasn't doing well yeah Yep, and you have all these different rates happening, and people are grandfathered in, and then that it's just yeah, yeah, yep, no, it makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I'm just always curious about like how does that transition look and everything. So, um, um, the gym that I go to and I, I coach at has recently been through that transition. It was sold in May, I think. So it's been interesting watching that, but also then talking to owners and being like what's been your experience? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, no, th that's cool. So, um, I guess too, PJ, you know, with, with all this, with, you know, happy Valley and then, um, you know, running, um, I, I always want to say like Tigard or Tigard. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's not right. And I'm like that, that gym that you own. Right. Um, but with, with being a, being an affiliate, what are maybe some of the, the biggest challenges that you've had over the last um, several years? Maybe some of the biggest um, things that you've just really learned and had to grow and have had had to grow from that you can maybe um, just just talk about and share about so that those listening could in hopes relate and benefit and have something to take away and go implement at their own gyms. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I think probably one of the biggest struggles and, and the hardest part of what we do is going to be uh, managing a staff 
just working working with people of course um, our coaches are, are fantastic we have a great staff um, but what you'll run into with CrossFit is you're gonna run into two different types of coaches and one is gonna be hey you've got a somebody who wants to be a full-time trainer they want to make a full income from it now most CrossFit gyms do like a 5:30 a.m. maybe a 7 a.m. ish maybe a 9 noon and a couple classes in the evening you know best case scenario that coach could get seven classes per day but that would require them being there from 5 30 a.m to like seven at night and there's really there's nobody's going to do that and then they got to turn around and wake up 5 30 a.m so, so there's no way for like a crossfit coach to get a full schedule doing just classes so in order to provide that full-time income they have to do personal training maybe some admins and cleaning different things like that and that's pretty tough to do too and then the other one you're going to have is going to be somebody who maybe has a full-time job or they're a student or they're a mom and they have you know a few hours per week that they can coach and they they come and they work for you two to five hours per week and uh, both of those coaches have their good things and and their challenges too so um i used to think hey i'd rather just have two full-time coaches than like 10 part-time coaches but the problem is if you have two full-time coaches what happens when one of them leaves town you have nobody to fill in their hours, it's, it's gonna fall on you. Um, if you have lots of part-timers, hey, you have to develop and quality control and teach systems and processes to you know 10, 10 coaches, and the return on it is they're only coaching for you a couple hours per week, and they're probably not gonna get as much practice with some of those policies. So if you train them, hey, here's how you can fill out a contract, they might not fill out a contract for six weeks and when that contract does come in six weeks from now, there's probably going to be an error or two on it because, hey, this is their first time doing it, and it's going to take it's going to take some repetition. So, uh, part timers are harder to train, and you know, it takes more time for you to supervise and engage with. Um, Full timers are hard to provide enough income for to really be a, a viable living, and um, if they travel, you know, it's, it's it can be hard to fill. So, I think you got to have a little bit of a little bit of both. I think it's helpful to have a mix on your team. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the, the number one challenge is, is just dealing with scheduling and, you know, vacations and people traveling and, and different things like that. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a really good point because I think for a while there it was like either or. And I think you're one of the first people that I've talked to who has said, hmm, what about both? <laughs> Yeah. And and even kind of talking about okay here are the benefits to both and and so do you all have both at each gym like a full some full time and part time? Yeah, yeah, we do. I have probably two coaches at each gym who are coaching you know fifteen hours a week plus, and then each gym uh, Happy Valley is a little bit smaller, so there's two or three coaches who are coaching in like the one to five class per week range. I'd like to see coaches coaching at least five a week just to maintain, uh, you know, maintain skills, maintain professionalism. And then Tigered, we have two or three coaches who are doing, you know, 15 to 20 plus hours, personal training, extra stuff. And then we actually have about six coaches who are doing in the, the four to six range okay. per week. And okay. uh, they're great. The, the other cool thing about the part-timers too is, hey, if you're only coaching two hours per week, this, this isn't your primary income. You're not doing it because of the money. 
So sometimes those part-timers are a lot more passionate about it because they only get to do it a couple hours per week. They can put a lot of energy into it, um, which is pretty cool too. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And I know you kind of brought up quality control. Have you found any um, maybe helpful ways to, you know, have that quality control, making sure everybody's on the same page? Like sometimes it's hard to the part-timers who are only in there for, you know, a few hours a week. Like, do you get them to staff meetings? Do you, you know, how, how do you even have that work well? Yeah, staff, staff meetings are uh, really important to us. We do a staff meeting each month. For Happy Valley, we have a staff of six or seven, so we do just one meeting a month. At Tigard, we have 12, so I generally offer two options. Okay, and so you way, give them choices way. on what to come to. Yeah, so you can come, you know, Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. or, you know, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. or something. And that way, I can generally hit most everybody. Sometimes we'll have to do a one-off and give updates. So that's going to be really big just for getting your people together, engaging with them. Some of my, my 5.30 a.m. early early in coaches I might not see very frequently outside of those you know, meeting times. Um, second is take your classes. This is important as, as go, you know, go, go to a class that another coach is coaching. So I really make a point to try to go to a class with different coaches each week and then give them feedback, right? Um, and I'd say if, if you go to your classes, make sure it's an experience that you enjoy. And if it's not an experience you enjoy, fix it, right? Um, if, you know, if your coach is you know, talking too much about something, give them some feedback on how to be you know, more, more concise. Or if they're not, not going over skills at all, maybe, maybe that's a problem too. So explain that. Um, but, but go to your classes and make sure it's an experience that you enjoy. I think it's also really important to see class from the student side because you'll notice things like, hey, if I'm standing back here, I really can't hear what the coach is saying. Or like, these people seem confused. How can we talk about this in a way that's more clear for people so they understand? Just different things like that. So I, I make a point to, especially, hey, it's a lot more fun. I believe in it. I believe in the workouts. But if I go to class, I get my workout in in an hour and I'm done. If I try to do the same workout on my own, it's going to take me like 90 minutes because I'll be checking my phone, email, cleaning something. So that's important too. But Stretching for a really long time, <laughs> yeah. avoiding yeah. starting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I go to my own classes and I think that's important uh, for me to engage with the community, um, to you know be seen, uh, to work with the coaches, and then to give feedback to them as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I like that. I like having uh, multiple options for a larger staff like that for staff meetings um, and then even giving them options like one-on-one -on -one if you can't make either of those. I think that's really important. So I think that's good. But that makes, and that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's, that's some good stuff, man. You're doing some good stuff over there. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so kind of starting to like wrap up our time. Um, if you had to give affiliate owners one piece of advice, just one, what would you tell them today? Mm -hmm. It's really hard. There's so many things, but I know that's why I only ask for one. I think the so I did a talk at the uh, three two one go um, summit and just talked about, hey, here's like 50 things we did in our business over the last two years that grew us from 150 members to 250 members at, at Tiger. 
but really what it was is how can you do 50 things in a year? I mean, one, I'm going to give you two things, sorry. But one is, hey, you got, you got to break them down <laughs> one at a time, right? And that's the quick thing is, you know, small chunks, you know, try to make one thing better a week. But, but importantly, how do you have time to do a bunch of different stuff? You're like, hey, I want to do these class SOPs. I want to fix this thing with our facility. I want to make this marketing funnel, this landing page, and update our website. And I want to have a staff meeting. How do you have time to do that? Is you can't be coaching all the time. Hmm. So I think that the number one thing that allowed me to grow our first gym and then you know take on a second gym is I hired staff and paid them to coach. So that way I had time to work on the business. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, if you want to accomplish 50 things, you're not going to be able to do that if you don't have the time. <laughs> it's just time is a valuable resource. So, yeah, was that just something that you've you just had to finally learn over the years and finally connected and you were like, oh, yeah, this makes sense? Yeah, I, I think part of it was so I had uh, Jamie Gallagher. He owned CrossFit Burke, was, was my business coach for a while. Um, and he told me to grow my bench. He said, grow your bench, you know, A, to take yourself off the floor, but B, like you want to have like one extra coach just in case somebody, you know, has to move or move on for whatever reason. Because it's not like another industry where somebody can give you two weeks notice and you can just hire and, and you know, like finding the right coach and training them might take months. So he said to grow your bench. And part of growing the bench was like, well, if I've got this extra coach, like they need hours. So I had to give up some of my hours mm-hmm. and that ended up taking me from coaching, you know, 10, 12 hours a week to coaching, you know, like five a week or less. Yeah. And then I had the extra 10 hours. And the important thing is not to take those extra 10 hours and play on like Facebook and Instagram, which, which I still do. We all do. Um, but to actually set, you know, daily goals and, and, and try to do something uh, yeah. each day. Um, Three, two, one, go. Uh, Julie Weldon, Clay Weldon. They they put out this this thirty for thirty challenge. This is what I recommend that everybody does. Mm. Um, and it was for thirty days. Work on your business for thirty minutes each day. Oh, and, I like and on, that. And on your business means working on your systems, mm. working on things that make the business flow better. Working on your business isn't cleaning, isn't coaching class because that's working you know in your business. That's doing tasks but working on your business is you know developing an email campaign to, to welcome your new members um, developing your, your website your, your landing pages working with uh, staff development um, working on your class experience different different things so for 30 days work on your business for for 30 minutes each day you can work longer but spend at least 30 minutes and you know keep a journal of it and track it and by the end of that month like you'll probably have done some pretty cool stuff yeah. Oh, that, I like that. I think that's a great idea. And it's almost like it's building a habit as well to work on your business, building that habit, like, okay, I got to think about my business every day and work on it. I like how you said, work on it and not in it. So I like that challenge 30 for 30 or 30, 34 for 30 or 30 by 30. I don't know what the exact phrasing was. Yeah. It was was a 30 for 30 challenge. Yeah. Okay. uh, I like it. They had in the, uh, the three, two, one go project hub. And uh, right. I encourage anybody to check it out. Yep. That's uh, PJ's uh, chicken foot for you all. So he's throwing that down. 
threw down the, the gauntlet so you all can check that out. So, um, or get started. I mean, this is the time people, this is the time. So, um, yeah, PJ, those were good. That was good advice. I'll give you two. That's fine. So that was good. Oh yeah, I know. Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna edit one out. So no, Hey, PJ, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, just giving us your wisdom and your, your knowledge and all the stuff you've learned over the years. And, and for those who are listening, y'all, he gives some great stuff and hopefully that you can, you can take something away, maybe start those coaches meetings once a month, you know, maybe look at having part-time and full-time people, or maybe just do this 30 for 30 challenge. Really? I think that's a great, great idea. So um, whatever it is, take something and apply it. That's always the goal. Don't just listen and leave. Um, but yeah, PJ, hey, thank you so much, seriously, for being here, uh, for chatting with me. Um, it's been great having you on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, Thanks for dropping in.